0: Hydrogen safety, how to be better safe than sorry, with Professor Nicola Baltrinieri here from Antenu. This is episode 54 of the Antenu Energy Transition podcast, and I'm your host, Julius Wischer. Let's go.
1: We had to at least show some kind of comment reporting the fact that there can be a better balance to these statements because those statements were pretty strong. Blue hydrogen uh, was uh, defined as best viewed as uh, destruction.
0: Hydrogen is a large and an important topic when it comes to the energy transition. And that's also the reason why this episode is the second episode this year where we actually deal with hydrogen. In episode 44, we had robert howarth here from Cornell university as a guest and in that episode episode 44 we talked about one of his papers that he has written with mark jacobson from stanford university and that paper was called how green is blue hydrogen and in that paper robert and mark argued quite strongly against blue hydrogen as a low carbon technology and to balance that we also talked about a comment from other researchers arguing that the data that Robert and Mark or Haworth and Jacobson, if we use the last names, used could be more balanced. And let's say in that episode, I got a bit carried away and it was maybe not as neutral as it actually should be. So to give that topic and that episode a bit more balance, today's guest, Nicola or Nick, was actually one of the co-authors of that comment that commented against that paper of Howarth and Jacobson and asked for a more balanced data approach. Hence, to give the people who wrote that comment in the first place also voice here on the podcast, Nicola and I will actually start off this episode and look a bit at these two papers, or at the paper and the comment, and on their respective genesis. And then we will dive into hydrogen process safety. Oh, and even though I practiced before we actually recorded that episode, I did manage to mispronounce Nicola's name. Well, you will hear that in a second. So, with no further ado... Let's get this episode started. Welcome to episode 54 of the Antinu Energy Transition podcast. Today it's about hydrogen safety and uh, the little bit cheesy part of the title is how to be better safe than sorry. So why do we talk about hydrogen? Hydrogen is the most abundant element in our entire universe on the earth. However, it exists only in compound form, combined with other elements. So the most familiar examples are combined uh, with oxygen. So that's water, so H2O and hydrogen combined with carbon. So then we talk about uh, hydrocarbons and that is found in, for example, natural gas. And there it's, uh, what's that, HC4. And um, there's a lot of big hopes for hydrogen as an energy carrier, because in the long run, it may allow us to continue with flying and that low carbon, and it also may help us with low-carbon shipping and even maybe with low-carbon heavy transport. And today we're going to talk about a topic that pops up when you talk about hydrogen all the time, and that is hydrogen safety. But we'll also learn that hydrogen safety is complex and that it is maybe even underfunded. And obviously, I'm not alone here in this podcast studio on Dragwell Compass at Antenu, but I'm here with a professor of risk assessment. And he is the risk uh, professor, he in the Department of Mechanical and Industrial Engineering at Antenu. He studied at University of Bologna. He studied as well at LSE, which is the London School of Economics. And he's got his PhD again from Bologna. And he's published substantially about process safety and risk analysis, also when it comes to hydrogen, and since 2021, he's the head of the NTNU team Hydrogen. So welcome to the podcast, Nicola Paltrini. Paltriniere. Paltrinieri. Paltrinieri. I
1: tried it even before. Hi, Nick, how's it going, man? (laughs) That's good. Uh, Nick uh, feels more comfortable, Yeah, feels more familiar to me. Um, All good, yeah. Uh, Thank you for uh, inviting me here. Uh, It's it's a pleasure, man. what, What got you into all this hydrogen safety game? Since my graduation, I've always worked with process safety as a chemical engineer. Actually, mm, I got into process safety because of a book, five minutes to midnight in Bhopal, if I'm not wrong now, I don't remember anymore the title, it was about a a huge accident in Bhopal In the 80s. It's uh, by Dominique Lapierre. It's it's a very nice book, I suggest it. Anyway, I thought, okay, I want to do something uh, good with my my title. So I got into process safety. I thought, okay, this is uh, uh, useful to uh, ensure uh, a safe uh, workplace, uh, uh, safe citizens, and blah, blah, blah. Uh, most interestingly, is also that I focused on emerging technologies. So those technologies that have uh, relatively little uh, operational experience. So how do you deal with that? You you have little experience, the technology is growing, there is uh, lots of risk and safety concerns. Uh, You have to be fast and and improve and train and and accumulate knowledge as as soon as uh, it is available.
0: What other technologies could it be then, apart from hydrogen, just to give some examples?
1: Well, during my PhD, it was LNG, for example. At that time, uh, it was considered like uh, uh, the technologies associated to LNG, uh, or uh, natural gas more in general, were more, uh, let's say, emerging and uh, um, were uh, allowing us to cut emissions. Okay, now we have a step more hydrogen. But there has been many other uh, um, technologies that have been considered. Even then, during my PhD, I had a a quick look at carbon capture and sequestration. Anyway, uh, well, in the last few years, hydrogen has become so popular. And uh, for some reason, now I end up having most of my projects on hydrogen safety. Now, I would like to have a, a bit uh, a wider breath in my research, so I'm also focusing on other aspects, like uh, now I've started with NATEC risk management, which are uh, uh, events, risk management of events uh, uh, caused by natural uh, causes, okay? like uh, uh, now there has been a landslide uh, uh, some weeks ago uh, due to heavy rain. Okay? This could have impacted a technological system. I think this is also very topical and it's very important given the climate change.
0: Totally, I can yeah. I can understand that. Yeah, especially since we're gonna run in severe droughts and severe uh, flooding, yeah. and we have technological infrastructure pretty much all over every country in the Western world. Makes makes super sense. What brought you to,
1: to Norway? During my PhD, I came here for a visiting period. Okay, I worked at SINTEF uh, for a visiting period. Then I finished that. Uh, I went to the UK. Uh, I did my period in, uh, in the UK at, an, at a research institute called HSC, Health and Safety Executive. And then I contacted INERIS in Paris and they told me, uh, look, we don't have any availability for you. We don't have any mm, possible topic for you. However, we are collaborating with SynteF. So I ended up in SYNTEF. I did a first period uh, I finished my PhD, and then I was uh, yeah, naively asking SynTEF if they had uh, some um, postdoc agreement with NTNU that I could apply for. And they said, no, but we can hire you as a permanent researcher. So <laughs> Not too bad. Exactly. <laughs> Not too bad. And then, then you were at Sintef. And then you started at NTNU. In uh, 2016, I got an associate professorship at NTNU, and then two years ago, I got full professorship. Yeah,
0: lovely. Cool, cool, cool.
1: So, Nick, we're going to talk about secu- um, yeah
0: hydrogen safety in, in, let's say, the second part. But let's before we jump into that, let let's cover one other topic that got a little bit of... that I or this podcast got a little bit of heat, because in episode 44... Uh, we did an episode on uh, on uh, on a paper that was called "How Green Is Blue Hydrogen," and the guest in that podcast was very much against building out blue hydrogen. And um, if the, for the people that want to like remember that one, the, the story was that they that uh, Howarth and Jacobson published that paper, and then there was a comment to that paper, and then they re- they published a reply to that comment, and Nick, you were part of the team that wrote that comment. Um, and in, in this initial paper, um, Blue Hydrogen was very much uh, yeah criticized because of the data that they had been modeled and they had been used, that they say that it makes actually more sense to burn uh, methane straight up instead of creating blue hydrogen. Um, but then you guys commented on that saying, okay, this is maybe a bit of an unbalanced view. Um so I was just wondering, could you maybe from your perspective, since you were I don't want to say on the other side, but you were in this other team, um, what were like the weak points that you were seeing in that in that paper that was initially published and what made you publish that that or write that comment and get it
1: out published? Well, uh now I must say that um we are in um mm-hmm. In a few days that are particularly hot for the topic, uh, <laughs> because of uh, you know the elections. Which Melke- elections are coming up? <laughs> uh, local elections in Norway. Uh, there is uh, Melkoya on the news, uh, and uh, uh, I have to say that I'm I'm speaking just for myself. This is my personal opinion. So I'm not reflecting any opinion of the NTNU Energy Team Hydrogen or NTNU in general. Sure. Also. Mm, i have uh, i'm a bit allergic to this kind of uh, political arena uh, that uh, might have uh, let's say taken discussed uh, this topic after that paper but is still discussing this topic uh, at the moment said that um, well when we when we saw that paper we actually uh, i actually discussed uh, through linkedin at the time with uh, Matteo, Matteo Romano, the first author of the comment paper, that uh, probably we had to at least uh, show uh, some kind of comment, uh, comment reporting the fact that there, there can be a, a better balance to, to these statements. okay? Because uh, uh, those statements were pretty uh, strong. Um, blue hydrogen uh, uh, was uh, uh, defined as best viewed as uh, distraction. Okay. Uh, so what we tried to say was that well, if you use uh, a- another model, a more sophisticated model, you might have different results, not these extreme. Uh, the reply was uh, uh well, we are using real data. Um now, personal opinion, real data of an emerging technology. Uh, uh, um, it can be subject to to, uh, improvement, update and so on. And also the the author of the original paper mentioned the fact that these data were getting improved. So maybe um, the lesson cannot be generalized too much, but uh, uh, without getting into the details of it, my personal opinion is that uh, uh, um, and this is why I, I don't make any distinction between blue hydrogen and green hydrogen in my research. Is that uh, um, blue hydrogen can be an opportunity to get to the final purpose of green hydrogen? Uh, I explain it better. Okay, hydrogen gives us, uh, uh, let's say, the possibility to store energy and this is uh, very practical for uh, for renewables, okay? Uh, Here in Norway, there is the ambition to become a hub of wind energy, which is great. Um, If we have, let's say, a platform that is allowing us to to, uh, use and store also the energy of uh, uh, renewables like wind, okay? Would, uh, it will allow us to, 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 to be better prepared to, to, mm, to supply this energy in a, in a, more, uh, uh, in a smarter way. Um, and uh, I see it always from the safety point of view. Uh, uh, if you get the engine running and if you uh, 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 get in this way the, the energy, uh, sorry the uh, hydrogen system running, Then uh, uh, you train people, uh, you design safety uh, instruments, safety barriers, safety uh, safety barriers, it's intended in in a positive way here, safety measures that are specific for these technologies, okay? So, uh, I see it as a good intermediate point towards green hydrogen. Now I could talk even more and I'll tell me whether, uh, you have some specific questions mm. regarding this. I think that your point of like, um, building,
0: like, you said like once you start with hydrogen, you start training people, for example, and uh, all the other bits and pieces fall into place. That's what, in innovation systems theory, that means like the, the the innovation system is being built up. And I think we are right now, and I guess you agree that we are right now in that process of building up the innovation system, uh, or, or the supply system, or the, the yeah, um, to building up the supply chains for for uh, for blue and for for green hydrogen, uh, respectively. One of the key points that you also mentioned is that. It was in this initial paper, r- real data was used, but if I. Uh, um, If I remember correctly, um, there's three ways of where CO2 emissions can come from when we talk about blue hydrogen. That is from the steam methane reformation process in itself, then from the emissions from the electricity and heat required to actually make the steam reformation working, and from the power that one needs to then capture the CO2. And in the United States, and I think they use data from the United States, they use data where, for example, the electricity was not completely renewable, while in Norway, the energy that is being used or the electricity being used is right now, until we run into that deficit in 2027 or whatever, um, is completely renewable. So I think the point that I got also after this episode was that, yeah, the data that they used is American data and Norwegian data, it might look a bit different. Still, it is fossil fuel. And the question is, how much is really being captured in these processes? Do you feel that the capture processes that are being used in the United States and here in Europe are very different? because? then it would mean that blue hydrogen is not a zero carbon, but still low carbon, but not zero carbon. Do I
1: understand that correctly? Yeah, yeah well, I, I cannot say anything mm. about that because I haven't read the, the data mm. on mm. this. But uh, anyway, it's aligned to, to what we were trying to say. Mm. I mean, it's uh, um, uh, with the comment we try to say, okay. Mm, Let's uh, let's not generalize completely, and let's not uh, be this strong Mm. in this statement. Okay, Mm. there are different nuances. Okay, Mm. it's not white or black, Mm. Um, and uh, and this is actually how I tend to speak on an academic arena. Okay, I might understand that on a political arena, maybe the message should be conveyed in a different way. Okay, Mm -hmm. but uh, that's not Mm -hmm. my uh, field. Okay, that's not my uh, domain. Yeah. One thing that I
0: like about researchers is that researchers never say that this is the truth, but what we are doing as researchers is looking for the truth. Exactly. And then you have this, it could be like this, it could also be a bit different. The, uh,
1: the problem is so complex that it's also, uh, well, I work with safety yeah. because uh, people come and tell me and ask me, is hydrogen safe? How can I answer, <laughs> answer this? That. Yeah, uh. yeah,
0: yeah. Okay, then let's leave this behind. And right before we go into this, the, uh, the safety issue. Can you maybe give the 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 audience, uh, Nick, an overview? Like, where are we right now when we talk about hydrogen? Like, it's been it's been a hot topic for almost a couple of years now, but then I remember there was 10 years where there was nothing, but then 15 years ago it was kind of really hot. So can you maybe just give us a short, quick recap? I don't expect any details really, but where are we right now when we talk about the hydrogen built up in Europe?
1: Well, it, it goes with waves. Uh, it looks like uh, artificial intelligence, you know. <laughs> uh, it also goes or crypto. With waves. Uh, yeah, or crypto <laughs> as well, yes. Uh, even worse waves. Um, anyway, yeah. Um, um, it was it used to be a hot topic. Uh, then uh, then it um, people lost interest in it. Then we had uh, you know, COVID and uh, uh, the war in Ukraine. and uh, this somehow uh, created again a new interest, new push, new investments. Okay, and uh, uh, I've seen it. I can speak about, uh, let's say, personal uh, academic experience. I've seen it in my projects. I mean, we have had a period in which... Uh, our uh, project proposals because i don't know if everybody uh, knows we write project proposals uh, in order to show that there is let's say a knowledge gap we want to do research in there and then if we uh, if the proposal is good is is considered uh, um, effective or at least it goes above a specific requirement um, it is funded okay we got the bu- we get the budget so we had a period in which uh, all the these project proposals were accepted. A 100% acceptance rate never happened in, uh, in my well, short career because I'm, I'm, I'm not uh, uh, that old, uh, but uh, still I've had 15 years of career. Uh, but anyway, uh, I, I've seen that uh, in Europe there is quite a lot of interest in, uh, uh, in hydrogen at the moment, uh, while uh, uh, national projects uh, haven't come as, uh, as much as they used to, okay? Mm-hmm. My, uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, like to, uh, to be in a situation in which there has been a gold uh, rush, okay? Uh, and now uh, there has been, uh, let's say, over uh, uh, overconfidence on this but uh, for sure there will be uh, a, a better alignment of investment. Now, uh, uh, even going back to the blue hydrogen, uh, the ABC of investment is uh, diversification. So you diversify your investment on different fields in order to reduce the, r- uh, the risk in that sense. And, uh, and probably now it will, uh, it will narrow down towards the most effective uh, uh, applications. That's what I expect. What, uh, what what pleases me, honestly, is that in all these applications, safety is an important aspect. <laughs> so in that sense, uh, safety is an enabler for these technologies, and, and I'm happy about that. Yeah. You know? So let's maybe just drive, dri-
0: yeah, drive, dive into into the safety concept uh, or safety safety issues. You just mentioned five minutes ago that sometimes you get asked, "Is hydrogen safe?" <laughs> so so like maybe just let's use that question. What do you answer to this kind of to these to these people that ask you that question.
1: Uh, my answers are very boring. That's the problem. <laughs> because then I say, yeah, the problem is complex. Then I start talking about uh, all these aspects that we are have to we have to consider a social technical system. When we talk about safety. We hydrogen. with hydrogen, the first thing you think about is combustion, okay? Uh, you know, the explosion of hydrogen and and the flash fires and so on. But it's not only that uh, we have the problem of the statistical analysis of uh, uh, hydrogen. We have no data because uh, as uh, as I said, it's an emerging technology, Mm -hmm. uh, relatively little operational experience, which means that we have been using hydrogen forever in industry, but in specific fields. Now, in uh, small quantities, uh, or uh, relatively, relatively mm. smaller volumes, mm. uh, exactly. So now there is different exposure, I mean, bigger volumes in, in uh, I don't know, in different areas, bunkering, for example, or uh, um, whatever other applications. Now, I don't know, I'm involved in two projects where the, um, the, the idea is using hydrogen um, to produce glass, okay, uh, s- um, steel production, uh, so many applications that uh, can be considered, but uh, uh, you know, there are uh, people that don't know how to handle hydrogen because they are trained with other substances, with hydrocarbons. Uh, There is exposure to uh, people that even if they don't need to uh, handle hydrogen, they are there, they are exposed. So we have emerging situations, risks uh, because of emerging technologies. And yeah you see my my answer is already going everywhere so that, you that. said it was
0: boring i don't think it's boring at all it's like i think it's very inter-, inter interesting that you directly look at the interaction between the human factor and the technology so it's not because one would think again oh the technology as you said it, it can something can explode or whatever but then why does it explode probably because it's badly maintained, or someone is not trained, or whatever other reason, this human factor comes into the game, doesn't it? And is that something that's been researched a lot, or is that something that only started researching this interaction somewhat recently?
1: Uh, Well, I can tell you that uh, um, there is quite a lot of research on um, what we call consequence analysis, which means uh, the combustion, uh, uh, what can happen if there is a hydrogen release on on a physical point of view. Uh, but um, I've seen some projects on the statistical analysis so what are the frequencies and probabilities behind uh, for these events to occur uh, I've seen very little uh, focus on uh, for example uh, how to handle inspection and maintenance okay and mm, well, uh, now maybe I'm uh, self-promoting uh, uh, <laughs> my, my work, but anyway, we are dealing with this. We are uh, working on uh, how to effectively plan uh, inspection uh, and maintenance for, uh, for hydrogen technologies. And there's a lot of knowledge on uh, uh, what we uh, define risk-based inspection and, and maintenance, mm-hmm. mostly coming from the oil and gas, okay? Uh, they are really uh, ahead, especially here in Norway. The Petroleum Safety Authority has done uh, a great job in this. Okay? And, uh, um, uh, but anyway, that is not working for hydrogen. Okay? For example, they consider degradation of materials that are uh, uh, not really fitting uh, the, the hydrogen um, embrittlement, for example, uh, which means that you have uh, large uncertainties which means that you have, you know, practically speaking, inspect more often. Mm-hmm. Uh, inspections that are more frequent means more costs, okay? Uh, less, uh, um, let's say, um, a-, a worse management, of course, of risk and safety, but also then uh, you might have a, a effects on the, the awareness of what is the risk associated in the sense that, uh, uh, yeah. You inspect often because you are uh, uh, worrying that something may happen. But uh, you inspect often, and then nothing happens, and then maybe the risk awareness decreases. This is just, let's uh, uh, say, uh, talking and elaboration now in my mind. Uh, however, what it is really uh, needed is an effective planning. Okay, that would allow to manage uh, the safety, manage these operations and then uh, be cost effective. That's, that's something that is really important. And uh, this is also what I'm saying. If we get the engine running, okay, this cost effectiveness, this uh, uh, pianification, these uh, uh, inspection and maintenance strategies get running. And another, again, detail uh, going towards the blue hydrogen is that uh, the oil and gas companies uh, Especially here in Norway, they are very good at managing safety. So, somehow, I I feel like it's good that uh, they also deal with that, this aspect of hydrogen-based, uh, based, um, considering their uh, their uh, uh, knowledge uh, on on safety matters in that sense. So,
0: mm. you use this word risk very often now, right now, and. Um when I was preparing for this episode, I was like, what does risk actually mean? And then (laughs) I I read, and you can tell me if if what I found here is is right. Um, Risk is normally defined as the combination of likelihood in consequence of uh, of hazards, um, so of of an event really occurring, so so and that's what you mentioned when you check and, check and check and check and check, and then the likelihood gets less, but the consequences of an explosion or whatever it is could still be really high, and that then has negative implications because it increases the risk again because the maintenance, for example, is kept down. Is that an, a re, the right understanding of what risk is?
1: Uh, well, the definition of risk uh, is what I use as well in my, in my lectures, for mm. example. And it's the one from the 80s by Kaplan and Garrick. Uh, actually, it's risk as a triplet. What can go wrong? So first you have, identifi- you have to identify what can go wrong. Yeah. And then uh, what is the associated likelihood and the impact, the consequence. Okay? And I often uh, base uh, my work, my, my thinking on, on these three pillars. Okay. Uh, you find many other, uh, definitions on online anyway. Um, I said that, um, uh, actually risk-based inspection is based on, uh, a projection of risk in the future in the sense that, uh, for example, for hydrogen, we know that there are some safety concerns. Okay. Uh, it's safety critical. So, uh, probably risk-based inspection. So inspection, uh, where the priorities are defined based on the risk associated could be more effective because you um, you inspect first uh, the equipment that uh, uh, for example might have a release in a confined area where there can be an explosion instead of outside outdoor where the hydrogen can can disperse okay just an easy example Uh, So what we believe is that a risk-based inspection could be effective for hydrogen. Then anyway, you project the risk in the future and you say, okay, uh, when uh, the risk value will reach this threshold, we should inspect to see whether it is is actually like this or maybe we have been conservative. And usually with risk analysis, you are conservative because you want to be on the safe side. Uh, So um, let's say the inspection often allow you to decrease the risk not really to yeah it it has it might also have an effect on the probability of a release because you are acting on uh, you you may uh, put in place maintenance and then uh, uh, then the release has less probability mm-hmm. to occur, but anyway, that is the the basis of risk-based inspection. And then I stop here because I I know that I'm going towards <laughs> the, <laughs> a, a way that is not very interesting.
0: No, no, but it, yeah, I think that I feel for me that's that's really in another world, and that's why it's interesting to, to listen to that. In the beginning, you talked about these the technological risks, and you talk about the let's say social social technological risks. That's mm-hmm. the word you use, isn't it? Maybe for the audience can we maybe just go through the technological risks the general ones to to have something to hold on to you know when you go when you the audience go into the next bar and you just said you listen to this episode and so that we kind of have like something that you really can hold on to and then we'll maybe just um, connect again with with the human factor there so what are what are the what are the technological risks that that are there, and I'm gonna ri- read four to you, and then you s- then you maybe could jump into them or say that these okay. are the ones. So on the one hand, hydrogen is very easy to to ignite. So if it if it goes out of a pipe, then even the friction induced by the leak itself can can like can make it blow up or can make it burn. Then the s- second one is like it's highly flammable. Third one is it burns with an invisible flame, so you might not even see that it's burning. Mm-hmm. And then the fourth one is that it has an impact on, you use the word as well, embrittlement. So it, like, for example, you have pipes and it's very small. And then even if they embrittle the, the pipes in which the hydrogen is flowing, then it could like yeah break down over time and probably leak out. So are these the main technological risks that are associated with hydrogen?
1: Uh, well, yeah. Well, uh We uh, wouldn't call them risk, maybe hazardous uh, Mm. characteristics or something like that, characteristics that might lead to uh, uh, an unwanted event. Uh, However, uh, yeah, um, probably something that we can say, and maybe you said that when you said uh, it's flammable, I don't know is that uh, it's um, the the concentration of uh, flammability. So um, the lower and the higher flammability limits, which are two values of concentrations, uh, are uh, pretty far from each other, which means that you have a a, a big range, a wide range of concentration in which you can have an ignition, Mm -hmm. which means that uh, I have a release of hydrogen um okay, the hydrogen is light and it, it tends to go up. So if I have a release of, a release of hydrogen indoor, uh, there is a higher probability for ignition because uh, uh, it can be a relatively low concentration, or at least it can have a, a wide range of concentration leading to the ignition. Okay. Uh so anyway ignition and flammability is a big problem for hydrogen is uh, uh, classified as R12 uh, in the risk phrases that's the
0: highest isn't it or
1: like uh, yeah it's high like flammability yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, but uh, uh, but anyway also the interaction with metals is also very important and is very studied mm-hmm. and in my department we have uh, um, a materialist uh, a material scientist Uh, That are really looking at these aspects of interaction with metal and uh, loss of integrity, material integrity. Okay.
0: That's when it. When it breaks, then when it, it breaks loses. Down. That's how the word. Okay.
1: Yes. Yeah. And thank you for reminding me that probably I should... Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm happy that you're not using so many like uh,
0: abbreviations. You used one that was LNG in the beginning, but I was like, yeah, the audience knows what LNG means. It's it's liquid natural gas. gas. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, I was saying, uh, we have these colleagues that look at what happens until it bre- until the, the metal breaks, yeah. okay? Uh, and then they lose interest because they are into materials, okay? Yeah. And while we look at what happens when there is a release. Mm-hmm. So, uh, now uh, we are collect- collaborating quite well in a few projects in order to look at this interface mm. and to collaborate mm-hmm. together. So, uh, I see a lot of potential there. Mm. You just mentioned, um, it, right in the beginning,
0: you said that uh, eventually Norway wants to become one of the hydrogen hubs and mm. send that, send hydrogen to-, to I said uh, wind, uh, oh, uh, wind power hub. Wind hubs, power hub, uh, but, uh, but uh, that can then be used to produce potentially yeah.
1: yeah um maybe I, I I honestly I don't know exactly whether there is the ambition for yeah. becau- for becoming a hydrogen hub let's yeah.
0: let's say there is there will be pipelines from Norway going mm. to Central European countries um pushing uh, hydrogen through through the North Sea or the Kattegat to Denmark to Germany whatever um and then we have these issues with for example embrittlement and can you give me an idea of like ha- like how how long does this imp- like how long can these pipes be there until embrittlement starts, and what can be done so that, for example, these pipelines kept, are kept safe? Do they have to be exchanged? Can there be, you know, is there something one can do?
1: <laughs> well, uh, I collaborate w- with yeah. a material scientists, but I'm not a material scientist myself. Um, I know that uh, uh, the, the, the useful life of a pipeline is rather long, anyway. Uh, uh however, uh, with, uh, uh, with hydrogen, you have to take into account some specific behaviors of uh, metal uh, hydrogen metal interaction, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, this is something that I, I leave to my colleagues to model. Uh, but uh, um, I cannot tell you how long they will uh, last. But I can tell you that if you plan uh, correct, uh, I don't know inspection and maintenance, they will last for for a very long time. Confidently, I can tell you that mm. if there is the appropriate inspection and maintenance, so managing uh, uh, the, the 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 health of the material, will lead uh, to to an effective system.
0: Mm. When when we think about these these safety procedures, what safety procedures can you, for example, do in order to maintain pipelines on land or off land? What what are like? How do you call? the procedures really, or like, is there best best in class procedures and <laughs> are they are rolled practices. out everywhere, best practices?
1: Yeah, well, uh, that, um, yeah, you can uh, you can consider different sources. Uh, however, there are standards, uh, yeah, best practices and so on. Something that uh, now is relevant to what I was saying is uh, the standard, um, the one on risk-based inspection and maintenance, uh, API, uh, API 580, API 581. Uh, uh, which is coming from oil and gas, okay? Uh, and it's uh, very clearly made for oil and gas, so there are degradation uh, mechanisms for uh, hydrocarbons, okay? Uh, it's, uh, it's quite flexible, this is why it's very popular, and um, somehow you can also apply it for hydrogen systems. However, there, are, there is plenty of uncertainties there if you do it. So, uh, we need to work on uh, creating uh, uh, something comparable for hydrogen systems because there is not exactly the, the same, the, 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 the correct mechanisms of material degradation considered in what is already published, in what is already available at the moment. Okay?
0: Mm. These mechanisms are they, are they instituted on a Norwegian level, European level? International level, like these the standardization, the, yeah, the standardization I mean. that you were just talking about that are developed for oil and gas, mm-hmm. is that like if we were to have that also for hydrogen, would that be happening on the global level? And who's the body, like the organization that would do that kind of work?
1: Well, you're having uh, standardization on on different levels, national level, international level. So you have um, a great uh, Norwegian standards uh, on safety, for example still very much based on oil and gas because of uh, the experience here uh, um, that are used uh, all over the world actually, because as I said, uh, uh, here in Norway, we are, you are, um, Norway is pretty advanced uh, in, in these terms. Uh, so, for, to give you an example, uh, the two main uh, research centers in Norway on uh, hydrogen technologies uh, Hydrogeni uh, here in Norway. I'm, I'm part of it. I'm actually the, the, the leader of the research area on uh, on safety materials and uh, a high value um, uh, that has as a coordinator Norse. The coordinator of Hydrogeni is Sintef. Okay, so these two are the two main research centers that are in these days talking together uh, towards the standardization of. Uh, well, mostly there are uh, safety colleagues speaking there uh, towards working on uh, creating standards uh, in order to put, let's say, the basis or the best practices out there for, uh, for the technologies of tomorrow or, well, already today, because mm. we are talking about them.
0: Mm. And then maybe one more question to these, to these mechanisms or you called, did you call it? no, you didn't call them mechanisms. How do you call them? Procedures? The, the, uh, That's the, the
1: standards. Ah, the standards, yeah, uh, yeah. standards, uh, best practices, uh, yeah.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah. When we come back to this idea of there's blue hydrogen, there's green hydrogen, would these standards, Guidelines. yeah, will they they will be different, isn't it? Because on the one hand, blue hydrogen is produced based out of methane, and green hydrogen is ba- is being built up, like made out of electricity and, and water, isn't it? So, is, will one of these standards then cover both, or will I Will there be
1: extra extra standards for sub-fields sub or sub-areas? Sub it depends on which stage of the value chain you are talking about. Because… Uh, transportation mean,
0: is going to be the same, yeah, for example. Exactly. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. Storage, transportation usage uh, is going to be the same. I mean, mm. it's, uh, we make a distinction between green and blue hydrogen uh, when we produce the hydrogen. Mm. But uh, but the rest of the value chain is the same. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. When we think about uh, green hydrogen, is like, and I know this is not your very specific field of expertise, but what do you hear currently happening in Norway when it comes to green hydrogen? Is there is there projects being developed? Is there there's Nell hydrogen for example? It's a company which is on uh, which is stock traded. Um, how is how's that that ecosystem developing? Is it developing? If you can say something about it,
1: <laughs> well, yeah, well, let's see, from, from experience, maybe. Uh, well, I know that uh, um, when, when we talk about specifically on, on green hydrogen, I have colleagues uh, working quite a lot. On, on these topics, uh, and they're pretty active, uh, pretty busy uh, because uh, Who, who's uh, not busy? <laughs> they are sitting, uh, uh, I don't know, in the NTNU Energy Team Hydrogen, and often they are late in uh, what uh, <laughs> sometimes are uh, they, they are asked for. Anyway, apart from that, they are, it's, it's great to 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 sit together with them. Um, uh, they have plenty of activities going on, however. I wouldn't be able to taste the 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 the, the, the pulse of uh, uh, uh of the green hydrogen uh, uh economy here in Norway. Uh, uh I know that there is quite a l- quite a lot of push on uh, renewables and this is great and uh, and uh, green hydrogen is uh, is just associated to it. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Then maybe let's do two more things and then we wrap it up. And the first one is that r- kind of in the beginning you mentioned or when we started talking about process safety you you mentioned this social acceptance part. Can you maybe give us an idea like why social acceptance is so important and where does it where does it come into the process when we talk about hydrogen?
1: Well, I can um, I can mention one project of, uh, of mine is an interesting project. Uh, it's um, uh, a project with some uh, European partners plus Japan. OK, um, we we have a different uh, we, we, we tackle the the issue of um, safety and sustainability of uh, uh, hydrogen refueling stations.
0: Refueling for trucks or
1: uh, personal automotive, Automotive, cars, trucks and Mm. whatever. So from these different perspectives, one of them is also the social acceptance. Um, We uh, um, um, NTNU, myself, we are coordinating the project Uh, and then we have uh, an institute from Spain involved, and then we have University of Nagoya involved. Nagoya is the city of Toyota, so it's probably the prefecture in Japan with the highest density of hydrogen refueling stations. Uh, And uh, what is particularly interesting is that we have carried out surveys on the social acceptance uh, by... Yeah. The public of hydrogen refueling stations. So, you know, to test, um, for example, the NIMBY aspect, not in my backyard aspect. So you are all positive with hydrogen, but then you don't want it in your backyard or other uh, behaviors. Okay. Uh, Japan is pretty advanced in that sense. I mean, they have high dense, I mean, they have many hydrogen refueling stations, a high density of them, high density of population. So it's a case. Uh, Norway, it's, uh, uh, we have, we have had uh, hydrogen refueling stations for a while. That is low density of population. We have had an accident in 2019 though, an explosion, Um, no, uh, no fatalities. uh, Windows broken though, and actually they say that uh, a poor dog jumped uh, from the from the balcony because of that. So probably that's the only fatality. Uh, Spain instead, uh, they have uh, few hydrogen refueling stations, but they are investing a lot, okay on those. they are they are planning to open uh, many. So these are three interesting cases. What the population think about this? Now, I cannot tell you the results because we have just conducted the surveys, but uh, I expect some interesting results because of these three different uh, uh, situations, okay? And we can le- learn from each other. That's the thing. Mm. But what do you expect, like,
0: I'm just, I'm curious why like Spain, like well, all, well, all what I hear from modeling is that, that Hydrogen will be probably be used in shipping and aviation, but in personal cars, um, it sounds as if it's quite (laughs) quite expensive. So it's interesting that what you say that that Spain is uh, that there's parts of Spain that are really looking looking into that and ready to to make some money available there. But yeah, for example, yeah. But I totally understand that uh, social acceptance issues are super key there because if the if the local population doesn't want to have recharging. Uh, stations, for example, in the backyard. Well, then it's probably pretty hard to install them anywhere around any country, isn't it? And so, it's yeah,
1: exactly. Especially in the Western world, where mm. uh, yeah, uh, demo- demor- democratic uh, uh, countries, where anyway, the the opinion, uh, um, I mean, uh, rightfully, I would say, mm. the opinion of the public is uh, is heard, and uh, sometimes it's rather difficult to to change.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah. Nick, last question, um, and that is um, we we talked we talked about yeah process safety, where where it comes into place all the technological ones, but also where interaction with social acceptance and social technical systems comes into place. What would you what would you wish for? When it comes like when it comes to to process safety and hydrogen maybe when it comes to projects but maybe also when it comes to, to government policy when it comes to standards like if we would meet again in five years whatever what would you wish for that that like a change in in, in attitude in mind in funding whatever what shall be changed so that we have systems hydrogen systems that are as safe as they can be uh,
1: um what I would wish is uh, again, I, I always have this focus uh, on, on the uh, social technical system and I, I'm an engineer myself and I, I look at the social aspect as, as quite important uh, and uh, you know, there is a lack of uh, training and, and expertise. However, what I wish is to exploit a uh, the great interest that I'm seeing in the in the younger students now, at the moment. Uh, we are opening uh, the first uh, International Master on uh, Hydrogen Systems and Enabling Technology, okay? It's an interesting uh, master program, uh, coordinated by uh, Politecnico di Torino. So, the first year is in Italy, and then the, the second year is a specialization uh, year, where you can choose to come to NTNU for hydrogen safety. Or you can go to uh, Barcelona uh, for the automotive, uh, I guess, I don't remember exactly. Uh, or uh, hydrogen production in Eindhoven, okay? In the Netherlands, so, yeah, yeah mm. there are in the Netherlands there are uh, these universities involved. That there is also Politecnico di Milano involved uh, uh, for 20 uh, uh, places, okay, in the master, we had. Uh, 563 applications. Okay, oh, that is a lot. That is a lot. There is a lot of momentum at, in this, mom- in this um, period. Okay? A lot of interest by these students. You see interest in uh, renewables, interest in these new technologies that are promising, uh, uh, let's say, uh, some hope in terms of uh, climate change or at least uh, uh, um mitigation of climate change because it's already happening uh we should uh, we should exploit this i mean uh we should invest in this we should uh, try to uh, facilitate this instead of putting barriers in that sense so mm-hmm. i think we should uh, try to work on this uh, let's say human capital even if it doesn't sound very good but anyway uh human potential yeah uh and uh, and maybe in uh, how many years did you say five years I say five years but in five years we will be all uh, more prepared all more knowledgeable or mm-hmm. more expert in these technologies in order to uh yeah exploit them use them uh, and and be more prepared to what will come uh, and most probably you know uh, uh, global warming and uh, uh, difficulties in in managing uh, what uh, uh, the weather will give us. Yeah,
0: yeah, Yeah, it sounds like 20 people. I know that when you start up a program, you always start small, but 20 people really doesn't sound like a lot. And we are aware that people that want to work in hydrogen safety can also come from any other disciplines, isn't it? But still 20, yeah, it's just a drop in the ocean, I would say, uh, isn't it? But but cool that you got that program started and uh, good luck with continuing it and hopefully eventually
1: you might be able to have more people coming in, isn't it? Yeah, well, uh, if uh, industry gives us money and pays uh, the the scholarship, then uh, there will be more people. No problem.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Hey folks, we were already done with this episode, but then (laughs) Nick said, oh, I didn't talk about high school. Uh,
1: So Nick, what is high school? Uh, It's a national PhD school on uh, hydrogen technologies and uh, hydrogen-based fuels. Yeah. And uh, we have started last year. We have summer schools, we have uh, uh, webinars, we have uh, uh, courses for PhDs that give credits, actually. Uh, and it involves the main universities in Norway that are uh, dealing with hydrogen-related research. Okay? Uh, the coordinator is the University of Bergen. Uh, there is NTNU, of course, and actually NTNU at the moment is the one th- with the highest uh, number of students, uh, PhD students. And uh, we had the first summer school, uh, yeah, summer, maybe spring school in March uh, this year. The next one will be in April uh, next year. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't remember now the date, but uh, it's... Uh, <laughs> I you can are go- you. Yeah, you are I googling can, yeah. it. It's around 24 uh, 26th of April uh, in Trondheim. Okay. Uh, I'm planning it. Okay. And uh, the, the, the venue will be Rockheim. Rockheim. Yeah. Cool. And uh, actually, we are merging it with uh, the summer school of this International Master uh, on uh, Hydrogen Systems and Technology. So there will be also. 20 master students coming over to see how it is the world uh, on a PhD level, uh, uh, and uh, well, uh, I hope uh, it will be as uh, as cool as uh, it can potentially be. Okay, <laughs> if you're in Rockheim, it needs to be. It's
0: gonna be very cool. I think it's the 23rd until the 25th of April. Okay, thank you. 24 and. Tell me again, who, who is the target group? It's people who are working already with hydrogen in their PhDs or people who work adjacent topic as well?
1: No, they have to be admitted to the high school. So uh, their topic, it has to be on hydrogen or hydrogen-based fuels. Okay. Yeah. It can be uh, technological, but also social. And we have different uh, topical areas. Uh, it is all explained on the website. Highschool.no uh, And high with H-I. Yeah. Uh, H-Y. Exactly. <laughs> And uh, 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 there is industry coming and presenting. So the idea is to have uh, an event where both industry and PhD uh, students are presenting together, are talking together, are discussing and in touch on the uh, topics of uh, hydrogen research. Um, the first, uh, the first uh, uh, summer school. Spring school in Bergen was great. We enjoyed it a lot. Good. So people,
0: if you are, if you are in the target group, then make sure to uh, look at highschool.no. Uh, so H Y and then school.no, and you will also obviously find the link in the show notes. So that's it from this episode. Now, take care, Nick. All the best. Bye bye. Okay.